Welcome back to another episode of Friendly Shadows. This week in the shadows, we have Roger Brainerd. Everyone, this is Kelly with Friendly Shadows. I'm here with Roger Brainerd, um, who I have worked with in the past and who I've followed and I'm a big fan of, and I'm real excited to talk to today. Roger, welcome to the Shadows. Oh, thanks, Kelly. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate it. I'm a fan of yours as well. We uh, met on Twitter, and you're not on Twitter anymore, and I understand that because Twitter is kind of a mess right now. But uh, I've just always enjoyed your posts and your take on things and your uh, and your your energy really has just been uh, quite something, you know, and inspirational, really. And uh, and your networking ability, you just really seem to uh, to have quite a collection of, of peeps, as one would say. I really appreciate that. What I admire about you, Roger, is your gift, your ears. I think of words like atmosphere and tone and, um, and, uh, cohesiveness. And, uh-huh. and those are the words that I think of whenever I'm like going to Roger for advice on a song. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah. 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 Well, those are big words for me. Atmosphere is pretty much everything. I try to, when I'm doing something, you know, which in at the moment right now I'm playing live a lot and not not recording much. But when I record, I try to start at the back of the room and work my way forward. I want I want to define what atmosphere everything's in, what soundscape, what room or ambience. I guess is really the the word. You know, I want to go atmospheric, but I got it. You can start with the ambience of the of the recording how how do i want this to i want this to be kind of up close you know personal or do i want this to be back a little bit and hollering you know you can just the proximity effect of the microphone you know creates a different a different thing like kelly i love you i love you kelly you know is different than i love you kelly you know it just there's a there's a, a whole different thing and between the two sounds and just the way the mic as i go back here it doesn't mean the same thing as i say up here it's just there's different meanings and exploring those biological and emotional responses to different sounds different positions of of things how close you are how far away where it where it is is it reflecting off of a canyon is it in a gymnasium is it in a inside a 1950 nash you know what's what where are you you know and start in there and then go with you know something that really uh, that I admire about you too is the sounds of of your acoustic instruments especially but go with something that's pure. You know I want an acoustic sound that's going to be an acoustic sound 10 years from now. I don't want an expiration date on any sounds that I make on drum sounds. I want a real drum and I want the drums as an ensemble. I don't want to record a tom tom and another tom and another tom and a cymbal and a snare and a kick and then try to assemble it in a mix. I can do that used to do it all the time and uh, I worked in the studio for a, a good while, you know, and, and, and you just go, that's not really what a drum set sounds like. It really isn't. And you get a drummer that can actually play the kit as an ensemble, you know, and put a couple of mics and, and then work the ambience and the atmosphere around that drum and then try to get everything else to fit into that same space. You know, you don't want, my favorite guitar sound, here it is. It's like my guitar in Albert Hall, but my drums are outside with no reflections. Okay, they don't match, you know, so you have to work them. That's that's always the considerations. Now, I make it, I don't know if I make it sound easy or hard, and it's it's not hard, but it's ticky, and it's really sometimes you have to wander a while before you find what's going to gel and how you, you know, some sounds aren't going to fit in a certain room. So you have to go to their sounds to, to match it. Does that make sense? Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm just uh, raising my hand saying preach. That's all. <laughs> well, <laughs> That's all. 
we we both seem to have a a a, a real affinity and a, an enjoyment of the simple stuff. I mean, we we've talked tambourine a little bit, you know, online and a sound of one thing you can make as big as you want. You know, I mean, a tambourine, you get, you get the right mic and the right room and the right hit and the right everything. And it might take, for me, I'm a slow worker, really. Uh, I'll sit there and with a tam, I might spend all day and not get anything, you know, hitting the tambourine and, you know, trying different rooms and trying different places in the house. I mean, I'm still a home studio guy, you know, that's what most of my stuff comes out of. I do go to a real studio for some things. Uh, we'll talk about that. I guess in a minute, but you know, I'm, I'm, I sort of will subculture because I'm not on a clock, you know, when you're in your house, that's one of the nice, the, that's the biggest benefit. Now I'm going to say probably possibly the only benefit, but the biggest benefit is you're not on the clock in, in your own space. And I can spend a week getting a sound on a tambourine. I can spend a week getting a sound on a hand drum or a, cl- a finger snap, you know, and uh doesn't matter. I, I don't enjoy all that, you know, I'd really like to just have a sound and go and, you know, stay in the moment, but, you know, you, and then walk away from it a couple of days and come back and it's fresh, you know, and, you know, you, you buy a little four hour block of studio time. That's going to cost you your lunch for the rest of the month. You got to go in there knowing what you're going to do and have a, have a real intentional plan and you can't wander you know, in, in that. And, and that's another thing that I, I love. I, I really, I, I like the pressure of a real studio and I go uh, to uh, my buddy, Mark Neal's studio in uh, about four hours South of me. It's not just around the corner. Uh, he has a place called soil of the South. And uh, when I go there, I, I give him a, I buy a day, you know, from him and, uh, I think he would give me a day, but out of respect for him and, and what he does, I, I I pay. And it also puts the onus on me to actually come down there with some something to do. Right. And uh he'll, you know, he'll be on the other side of the glass and go, okay, Raj, you know, you're gonna do this or not. You know, you you make a couple takes and it's like, are you are you are you ready to do this or you wanna go have lunch? You know, and it's uh it's a real thing. He really he really can put a good inspiring pressure on on that and we stay pretty simple and stay pretty direct and flip side is we're really 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 good friends and we've been friends a long time and and we're always going to end up with something fun or at least a fun day you know and if, if i don't get something it ain't his fault you know that's really the the thing he's free to to do what he does and i'm free to do what i does and some things come out the last we've done four tunes at his place uh magnolia ring of fire death came by to see me and uh pawpaw patch and it was a real neat evolution getting there uh if you don't mind me just wandering around conversationally i'll just i i, I, I blather a lot so we've been oh, friends blather for- blather okay we we've been friend mark neal the guy m-a-r-k-n-e-i-l-l he's a legit producer he did uh the music city record for uh charlie crockett and did the one before that welcome to hard times uh produced it engineered it did the whole bit and i mean he really really those have done pretty well he did the black he was he produced the black keys brothers record which was double platinum and he's like i say he's pretty legit knows knows a lot of folks good friends with dave cobb does a lot of work with him you know, and he's uh he's one of the one of those few. I, I I categorize people in like how many thoughts they can have simultaneously. And I'm kind of a three thought guy. If I have a fourth thought, one of those three thoughts has to disappear. My mind can't wrap around all of it. And Mark's kind of a five thought guy. He can have five things going on simultaneously, and he's always light years ahead of me. And uh I met him when he was a kid. I was working in a music store and he'd come in and We'd talk, and I met him at 14, and I, as far as I was concerned, he was a grown-ass man at that time. What things he'd talk about and the things he knew and all that, you know. And uh, we've stayed in touch, and he was in a pretty good, successful band, uh, signed to RCA in the 70s, 80, early 80s, and uh, toured Europe, toured a lot. And uh, the band, one of the guys in the band, the main singer in the band, had some health issues, and the band sort of fizzled on behalf of that. But... 
we've stayed in touch and I really didn't want to push the friendship and say, Hey, we ought to record something together. Hey man, you know, this is, and, uh, I didn't, I, I, I felt like that would be breaking the faith of the friendship. And, uh, about six years ago, seven years ago, he said, Hey, we ought to do something, some kind of music thing together. <laughs> and I said, I'd love to, you know, I just, I'm, I'm just going, wow, this is like answer to my prayers, you know? And, uh, and so he said, start sending me songs. And uh, so I'm writing stuff and sending it to him. And he's going, nope, 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 nope. And he, after about five songs, he goes, you know, you're not Billy Gibbons. <laughs> and you're not this and you're not this. We're deciding what you're not, but we need to find out what you are. And uh, huh. I was fooling with a guitar one day and uh, came up with this riff uh, that's in Paw Paw Patch. And uh, thought, just playing it like that. And the words to pop, you know, where oh, where is little Susie? Where oh, where is Lucy? Way down yonder in the pawpaw patch. Kind of came up and I started fooling with that. And it really emotionally grabbed me really hard. And uh, so I really fast wrote down a lot of little vignettes. He had been encouraging me to go back to my to my weird little childhood and and uh mine some of the experiences like that and and what popped up in front of my mind songs don't always happen like this you know because i mean you're an accomplished songwriter and sometimes songs come complete sometimes they come in dribs and drabs over a year you know they just they, the song is its own energy force and uh so this one was just man it was like a tidal wave and i penned out four or five little vignette visuals you know of like my first little girlfriend when I was three, you know, four, she was three and I was five. I was an older man. And, uh, the, the, I was in a neighborhood full of bullies and they'd bully us around and like that thing. And my first job and different things like that. So kind of as a joke, I put it down. I mean, I put it down. I liked it, but as a joke and I, I did the vocal way up here on the mic, you know, so I'm, it was really, spooky swampy sound and i'm just really digging it i said mark's gonna hate this and i sent it down to him and he goes bingo there you are and i went wow this is uh stunning you know because i'm blues bass rock guitar player been playing in bands all my life and always in bands never do any solo stuff i mean i was like never done anything at that time like that so he said you have to write more stuff like this drag drag your emotions out of your nose if you have to but we need more stuff like this and you need to write things only that you can play by yourself. You can add things to it, but if you can't produce the feeling, the vibe connection by yourself, then it's not going to be worth doing. And I said, okay, so next thing. So we recorded that one and put it out and I'm, I'm still thrilled with that one. I just, um, he, he pulled stuff out of me that I didn't know I had in that, you know, I mean, he really, that's, that's the thing about getting with a good producer is that they have a vision for you and will find things in you that you may not want to know about really, you know, it's not all, you know, mine in the past and, you know, looking for inspiration and, and trying to go deep is not always that comfortable, but in his words, he says, I can fix just about anything. I can tune things. I can do this. I can do the, you know, all that kind of stuff. The thing I don't have a plug in or a button for is emotion and passion. And you got to bring that somehow to the plate and to go through the lens of the recording and have it come out the other side, still passionate and emotional. And I'm going, well, all I can do is get in front of the mic and get emotional, you know, just trying to try to go there. And uh, so he encourages all that, you know, and we'll, we'll take a, we'll take a little glitchiness and stuff. We want the want you know, when we record with him and that's what I want when I record myself and uh, I don't sit there all day doing a vocal. I'll do, if I'm doing vocals, I'll do three or four takes. And if I don't get, you know, and, and I'll do that over the course of a few weeks, you know, and then go back and every day I'll go, okay, I'll keep this one. And then I'll, when I get about four of them, I'll shoot them out and keep, you know, the best one. And once I get a, one that I'm pretty satisfied with the structure and my intonation and everything, my approach and the timing. I'll uh, 
start working on that right there and start doing shootouts. And I'll usually, but I want a whole take. I don't do a verse. I don't do choruses. I don't do cut and paste uh, to a point. I mean, you do a little. And so I'll do a whole take. I'll do three whole takes. I'll pick the one I want to use. And if I've got something that will correct something, if I've got a little glitch in the other ones, I'll correct it. If I don't have it there, it stays. You know, and that's a little cringe worthy sometimes, but I don't want to start getting into the too much cutting and pasting and, and doing things. I like to have it live and happening. And, uh, and that's the story of my life. Told you more than I know sometimes. Is, uh, things that you mentioned well, this last thing about the feel uh, of the cut and paste do you find playing live kind of uh uh counter counter balances that or um what i'm what i'm wondering is is if you've been because you've been playing live for so long uh, or so much lately from what I can see on Facebook. I'm wondering if that has changed what your affinity is in the studio, or was it just mostly the influence of that producer, Mark Neal? Um, I would say that the playing live hasn't changed it much. Mark changed my approach a bit in just terms how I, I look at it. Because I when I first got the DAW, good grief, I was – Wow, look at this. And I mean, I, do do we dare tell people how old I am? I'm 72. And I've been doing this a long time and I I'm back from the days of analog tape and big consoles and stuff and worked in a 24 track studio as a producer and engineer and guitar player for about 6 years until I realized, you know, I'm really not doing what I want to do here. I'm not getting I'm getting to play what other people want to hear, but I'm not I'm not adding any creativity to this, really. I'm adding competence, but I'm not adding creativity, you know, and you sit there with a guitar in the studio and you go, okay, I've got 15 riffs in here that are guaranteed to find, I can find one and it's guaranteed to work and we're doing mostly custom albums and they don't overlap. And I started really just dis being pretty disgusted with my attitude. And so I went to work in a music store and like what you're doing, you know, and Try to regroup. Oh, that solves everything. <laughs> it, yeah. It's, it's, it's like, you know, it's like wanting to be a race driver and being in the pit crew, you know, but it is, I, I'll say this, if, a, if it wasn't so 24 seven on a, working in a music store, I worked in a pretty a couple of pretty big ones. Uh, then the joke was I get 29 paid holidays a year. Oh, really, Roger? Yes. I work them all. I get paid for it. <laughs> It was a lot of time in the huddle and I had a young family and that just didn't work either. So I got a, a different job, you know, that kind of carried me through, but and didn't impact my time enough to where I could still go playing a lot. I, I'd still work six hours a day doing music and playing and having a band. And, and then when I got the DAW, I mean, the world's before you. I can do infinite takes. I can do, I can clean up noise. I can fix everything. I can fix everything. And it just sounded dry, sterile to me a bit, but I didn't really know what to do with it. And Mark kind of clued me in on, on the coherency of everything. It has to be, it has to sound like it happened not like it was assembled, you know, I mean, kind of the difference, I guess, between an Epiphone Les Paul and a, and a custom shop and a custom shop guitar, you know, the, the one guy's building the guitar and he sees a problem coming before it happens. And he knows how to do something, um, do things to, to change that. And the guitar comes out as a, as a, a little masterpiece and Epiphones, they're very consistent. They really sound good, but they all sound alike, you know, and I have an, I've got my eyes on one of the Epiphone 335s. I think they're wonderful. I'm not saying anything bad about Epiphone guitars, but just the handmade guitar versus, you know, a production guitar and production can be good. 
you know, Henry Ford, bless his heart. Leo Fender, production guitars. There's some great ones, you know. But uh, but getting out of the out of a production feel, you know, of my music and getting it into an organic feel, and I get as many as as many people together as I can, and also I there's a there's only so complicated it can get, and still retain that when I'm doing it as a one man show, you know. But he changed it a lot live. I'll say playing live sort of de-energizes my bone for for recording and writing. I'm categorizing ideas as fast as I ever have, but I'm not really unfolding them right now. I'm uh, really stumbled into a couple of great playing experiences that I'm having, and I'm just, you know, it's so wonderful to be with people and connect and connect with uh, and be in a in a unit that connects with folks i mean it's real real outreach stuff one band is the uh, steve baskin and the 14s and we're writing our second album and his fifth and recording that right now so i got a lot of energy wow. going in, in that direction and then uh a thing called uh the back row baptists with greg shaddix he's the He's the A&R guy at Mad Life Stage and Studio in Woodstock, Georgia. And that place is kind of an epicenter in North Georgia. We just had a guy, I say we, uh, just had a guy that's on tour from Kentucky stop in to do their uh, patio set. Just, I mean, it's a kind of a destination. So he started this band called Back Row Baptist, and it's a total jam band. We never, you can't rehearse. We got nine people. And we, uh, he'll book a gig. And we'll go and just do what he does. And it's, gosh, I mean, it's the spirit of the Grateful Dead of the 70s. I mean, it's 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 wonderful, That's you know, awesome. do, do, doing that stuff. And then out of that, we started, the bass player, him and I, started a thing called Illegal Smile, the songs of John Prine. So we got our first gig coming up in two weeks. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that. But it's, it's like when we play, it creates an, a reality. It creates planet it creates a a terra firma it creates something there that you can literally step into it's uh the w word magic is too ill-defined but there's just it's just a magic thing you know when you when you connect with folks and with shaddix he was just doing a lot of solo stuff and i just kind of horned in i liked what he was doing because he he's he's a good singer he's a good guitar player he's not great like that he's a good writer but he's very free and he'll like listening to him three times. I'm going, okay, I've heard this song three times. It's been different all three times. I think I can work with this, you know? And I started asking to sit in and I just, uh, he said, well, yeah, we can do that. I said, well, and I just, you know, you put the cards on the table. I said, I want to learn your language and I want to, I want to, I'm a, my heart, my real Roger's real heart. I'm a side man. I'm not, I love being in front of people. I love that, but People get tired of me in about 15 minutes, really. I'm a little too cryptic and a little too weird. And uh, and Greg is not. Greg is very attractive and appealing, and uh, people seem to like him. So he does a thing. But I spend, a, I guess, about a year just sitting in uh, with him and uh, learning his language and learning his phrasing and learning what to what to make him, how to make him comfortable, you know, when he plays. And uh, so we we do a bunch of stuff just the two of us you know and it expands a little bit depending on who's around but uh but that the atmosphere that we create i mean we'll we were playing sunday last sunday at uh the mad life patio must have had you know 100 people there but it's a you know there's food and beverages and it's just a it's a it's a beautiful summer scene the sun's out and when it's warm and i mean it was just like a it idyllic or ideal is beautiful but the attention you know I'm, i mean we've both played probably in restaurants and stuff enough to know that you know you people don't stop chewing food to listen to you but they they do when we play i mean it's really we get an awful lot of attention and people will hang for two hours you know and and listen and the tips kind of verify the thing too you know so so that's yeah. kind of that's right what i've been doing here lately and we keep talking recording and i've got some ideas and i really need to get off my butt and get some more content out but but the energy seems to be going toward this this planet that we create when we play live at the moment 
you know, and that and and that kind of stuff, and and creating the atmosphere live, and creating something that that works together, not just me playing my licks, but me making what he does sound better, you know, sound bigger, more appealing, and sometimes it means play nothing, you know, and 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 that all falls into the studio, you know, you take that. Okay, well, how did this work live? Worked good. What did? It, what was it then? You know, can you replicate this in the studio? How how close can you get? You know, and uh, but I, you know, and you you work you you try to get your space up to speed where you can do what you intend in your space. Uh, you have a pretty cool microphone system that that seems to be working for you. You know, that doesn't have to be big things don't have to be big bucks you know to work as if as as mark neal says air don't care it goes into the air the air is going to do with it what it is going to do it's not going to do anything different you know so you just kind of treat it where you get the sound in the air and i'll walk around in my little space and say okay this is the spot but when i record gu guitar in a spot i'll record the vocals in that same spot so that i have the same ambience oh, atmosphere wicked. you know I'll, I'll kind of pick a spot for that and then the most important thing gets the prime spot and everything else has to kind of fall in line with that you know oh, that's a great idea roger thank you <laughs> okay no no and 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 prox proximity is most of my eq i try to i try to use as little i mean i have so few plugins it's just crazy you know and i've got a i've got a good preamp i've got a I've got one effect rack, one effect, one piece of rack effect left from back in the day. I've got a the much maligned Aphex Type B, which is uh, harsh beyond belief, you know, and and real quirky. But it is the saving grace on a piano patch, and it's it it you when you record a resonator guitar, it's really hard to get it. I mean, the resonators, I find it kind of hard to record to get the sound I, I want. And that Aphex, I can tune in where I want the resonance on that guitar, you know, and I can fit it into the scheme better. But that one, that's about it. And then like plug-in wise, I'll use a little EQ, uh, a little limiting sometimes if I've got a, got an issue, but I'd rather automate than limit. And uh, yeah, and some reverb, that's about it. That's really about it. You know, every other than that, the sound has to, if I, I, I need to hear the sound in the room and then I'll try to record what I'll record the room, <laughs> you know, rather than the sound. I think of it, you know, the guitar in a room rather than a guitar, you know, tambourine in a room rather than just a tambourine. You can have the best tambourine sound or the best guitar sound you want. It, it just sticks out like a sore thumb. And that's the heartbreak for most of us indies is that, you there so much of that is beyond our control you know i mean you go to a you go to tree studio or sound pit or one of the big places here in atlanta and i mean they've got stunningly good sounding rooms and you can just put you know just set up in the middle of their big room and just do everything right there and it's it's nice yeah. here I'm going to be overly dry or I'm going to be, you know have some kind of little phase anomaly happen and so i have to be really hyper aware of that but, but uh, the you know doing things in in a, in the in the same context, you know, like okay, if I had a drummer here, where would he be in this room? Boom, he'd be right there. He'd this would be you know so when I and I like drums, I do I do samples. I've got a uh, Native Instruments machine that I can play in real time, and I've got some a set. I've got three sets of drums. <laughs> Everybody talks to me. Oh man, you ought to get these drums. You ought to get this and this and this. No, I got I got three kick drums I like. I got three snares I like. I've got a set of two sets of tom toms I like. I'll put together a set of drums, and that's what I'm going to use. And I record cymbals live. I've got a, a good bit of cymbals and stuff, and I'll I'll record those live as an overdub. And uh, I think the cymbals make the drums sound a lot more real. But I I play in real time on the on the machine i'll I'll put a click down on the guitar track and then i'll do the drums there's a second thing that happens and uh if something's real bad i'll move it i'll nudge it you know into position but i don't quantize and uh i uh okay rabbit trail time
So I was in, uh, <laughs> so I was in a, a, a reggae band in the early nineties, a band called Medusa here in Atlanta and reggae was hot. There was just tons of places to play. And uh, a guy named Aaron Lewis from uh, Liberia was here. I was in, I had him in a band when I first moved to Atlanta, like in the eighties, he was, he was a singer in a band I was in. And we were good friends, and but he was he was a bad fit for a rock band, and he called me up and says, hey, "Rudge, I need you to play guitar. I'm playing guitar now, Aaron. Don't be funny, man. You know." And uh, he wanted me to play in a in a band. He was starting a band, and uh, he says his idea was he was going to go back over to West Africa and get a bass player and a drummer and uh, keyboard player. And come back here, but he wanted a, a white American guitar player. He said, I'm going to Ghana to get a drummer. That's the best drummers. I'm going to Sierra Leone for a bass player because I know a guy there that's fantastic. And I want a white American guitar player. And I said, but that sounds rich. You know, he got a guy, James Duncan, this drummer. The most amazing drummer I've ever played with. Not complicated. I'm not saying that. But he was more of a percussionist and he would play, he would ride the emotions of a song and just make you cry. I mean, it's just incredible what he would do with the drums. And he was the musical director, if you, and I'm doing air quotes since we're just audio here. He was the musical director of the band. And uh, he would set it up. Okay, here's where the bass is. Doom, 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 doom. And he'll, he'll say, you got this, the beat and the beat is the center of the beat. And he would put the bass, I want the bass late. How much later can you make it? Can you make it later? But you have to be the same late all the time. You can't just play late sometimes. Now you're going to be late. He'd put the snare forward, kick, and the bass is late. My guitar, he'd want even later. He'd put me someplace in the front back. I mean, it'd be a big swing. And getting things off the dead center of the beat and having things compiled like that created a pulse rather than a beat. And, uh, I would watch rooms just go berserk dancing and stuff when we'd play places and do that. We'd, we'd break it down to just nothing but hitting the hi-hat and all the dancing and all the hoo-hahs and stuff would keep on going and we'd build it back up. And But he would create a stretch, what I call a stretch groove, and we would stretch it to the point that it was not even a beat anymore. It's just a pulse. It's like fast waves coming in from the ocean. I mean, it was amazing. And he would communicate to the band telepathically or something but i could hear what he was thinking i could hear you know i mean we'd we'd get done with the song and he'd go whack on the snare like that and i'd go we're playing night nurse at this tempo i would know he would it'd be like an information boost he would just hit the snare a certain way and you'd know what song it was and you know how fast and you'd know how long right before you started he wouldn't count them off nothing it was pretty wonderful and we played wow. together for a while. I had, I had, to, they got a gig that didn't pay very much at all in Japan and I couldn't go, you know? So that was the end of me and that band. We were together about two years, but I'm still, I mean, gosh, that was like 25 years ago or so. I'm still unpacking information from that stuff in terms of just a stretch groove and how to, how to make a song lope and move. And do you want it to move fast? Do you want it to move sad or happy or energetic or lethargic or tired how do you want to make this song feel and you can do so much of that with the beat and the groove of how how the song is you know i mean you listen to those old war recruit you know like low rider i mean that's got that's so stretched on the beat on that and you just and it leaves space when it's not boom 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 right in the center you open that up and it leaves a space for people to fall into and uh, like that song, I don't think that song has an expiration date ever, you know, about a lot of them, you know. I but, feel uh, the same way about the band and LaVon yeah. being behind the beat on the snare drum. Boom, boom, man. I mean, that the band is one of the most incredible forces. <laughs> what do you call them? I mean, they were all stellar, you know, and uh I, I go have a band day, you know, and go on YouTube and watch as much stuff and listen to as much stuff as I can for a day or two. They're very inspiring, but yeah. yeah you know, yeah, yeah. Roger, what 
I'm taking away from this interview, uh, and I had no idea that I would take this away, was that you're proof positive, basically, with what you've been saying, um, that you can use the same intuitive skills playing live to capture a moment that you can recording and and that is a real comfort to me because i'd like to consider myself a live musician first so i just need practice on on the minority of the recording issues or whatever but but you you're using the same thing you're playing live with your ears i guess yeah Um, yeah that you that you are recording and you know and and a lot of times when i want to go to apply atmosphere to something i'm looking to my computer i'm not actually looking to something i can play right 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 that's that that is a big thing but you're exactly right on point with that i i and i mean i learned to play because i wanted to play i didn't learn to play because i wanted to make records or record or anything i wanted to play and i sorry you made me cry here. The, uh, you know, I'd listen to back in the day. I'd listen to the Everly Brothers. My mom had an Everly Brothers record. Kathy's clown had come on, and the connection that it made with that sound. And I mean, you didn't realize at that time. All I'm hearing is the sound, sound in the room of that record. I didn't know that it's Chet Atkins and the A-Team in Nashville behind them. I didn't know that they'd recorded it live. I didn't know, I didn't know how it got there. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. It wasn't, I just responding to the music and that feeling that it gave me is what I wanted to have happen when I, I thought if I learned to play something, I want this feeling to happen and I don't want it just to happen with me. I want it to happen with everybody that hears it now, it won't, <laughs> it's a good objective, but it won't happen like that. And I'm, I'm pretty niche. I think, you know, but when somebody gets me, they get me. And when somebody doesn't, they don't. And there's not some, yeah, I kind of like Roger. I kind of fall, you know, I fall on people don't want to hear it or they really, I've got folks that say all that's few folks, not many, but a few folks meant I've got title on and it just it's just streaming your stuff that's it it's just playing your stuff thankfully i've got a big enough catalog i've got a lot of wandering stuff and a lot of ambient stuff i was doing instrumental things and sounds and things and you know experimenting for quite a while but uh that's what i want you know i want that connection and when we play live i want to if i'm crying i want to see somebody else crying i do i just want that that link you know to happen and that's kind of what creates that planet, as I call it, you know, that we can be on this planet for a little while. And it's it's not bills and it's not traffic and it's not COVID and it's not the economy and it's not the Ukraine, the Ukraine. It's, you know, it's it's here now, boom, like that, you know, and this will sound a little weird, but long ago I heard a joke that it took me a little while to get because I was a little kid. What's a four-letter word that uh, for intercourse? And uh, I didn't know. And the guy said, talk. Okay. So there's verbal intercourse. And then there's uh, the obvious sexual intercourse. But there's musical intercourse. And that's what I want, you know. And there's a guy that's really inspirational to me, not a not a guitar player, you know, he's a writer and stuff, but uh, Narada Michael Walden uh, produced some Whitney Houston stuff and played drums on Jeff Beck's Blow by Blow and toured with him a couple of years. Wow. And the joy that he exudes when he plays is uh, so infectious. You don't, you, you, you're changed when you hear him do what he does. And uh, he's on uh, Instagram right now and kind of reminiscing through Jeff Beck. And it's his passion for the music and for what he does and for the connection is, 
healing. You know, I mean, it's the kind of stuff that if you, you live in this planet now these days, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not going to say these days too much, but there's a lot going on and you need a safe spot, you know, and you need to know that other people are courting that safe spot and creating stuff that actually matters to them and creating stuff that they hope matters to you, not just going after a buck. And if I could get a lot of bucks, I'd get them. I mean, I have no aversion to money. I, money's good for what money's good for. It's good for a lot of things. But just just finding those people that are passionate. I'll tell you another one that's, you know, it's kind of like I, I loved Lemmy with Motorhead. He was full tilt. And I love Buckethead. And I love John Prine. <laughs> and I love Robert Hunter, you know, and, and Jerry Garcia. I just, uh, the passion is what I'm what I'm after. And when you get up, you, somebody gets up to a certain level when they can communicate that passion. That's the thing. And so back to our live thing. Yeah, playing live, that's what you want. You want to create as much passion as you can, like a wave, surf on that and hope you don't fall off the front. You know, kind of keep it in some kind of a thing where you don't overblow the passion, you know, and lose it. But you you keep it and use that as fuel. And I want that to happen when I record. You know, I'll get as close to that as I can. You know, if I get a if I get a really a decent take that's super emotional, I'm probably gonna keep it. I'm probably gonna use that. You know? And uh anyway, that's the short story. <laughs> Not that short, I guess. You guys in the shadows may not be aware of this, but we had a collaboration with Roger. That's what they're going to talk about next. That was that I was honored that you'd asked me to be on that. Number one, that you'd asked me to be involved. Because, you know, if somebody reaches out to you like that, you know, you just, it always means something to me. And uh, you sent the song and it's like, wow, this is really challenging because I am an old guy. You know, I, you know, I take me Geritol and I do my exercises and I'm still got the energy to go. And I still, I don't have to have somebody carry my amp yet, but, uh, but I will when I have to, but I got that song and the first thing, the old man. The old man, there's the first line in it, the old man. And I'm going, wow, this just, this, it just, it, it crushed me. I'm going, okay, that is who I am. That is who I am. And the story I've, I've had, uh, I related to it very heavily. I'll just say that in terms of some of the things I put myself through and other people through, you know, my life, I was, uh, not a super long-term alcoholic, but I had created enough problems where, you know, I, I had a lawyer tell me I really needed to go to AA. And, uh, so there's this song, you know, like that. And, and you had, you were doing double drop D I think. And, right. and I, and I never had never played in that. I didn't even, this is something may sound weird. I didn't even know you could drop the high E <laughs> at that time. So I figured out a, thing that I could do that was sort of the, that kind of gave me the feeling of, of freedom and regret simultaneously that I could do on guitar, you know, and, uh, worked on the vocal a couple days, but I got something I kind of felt like hit the mood of the song pretty fast. And, and I, and then you started sending me some of the compilation stuff and I was thrilled that you'd let me have some opinion input into it. You know, we could, could we leave this uh, out or could we move it here and things? You, you, we did a couple of little tweaks and you were so gracious with that, you know, and uh, I think the song turned out really well. And I'm terribly proud of that tune on behalf of you and behalf of me. You know, I just, I think it's Me a great, too. and a great my team. wife, my wife, oh, man. she's also, it, it's, it's all, it's, it's one of our favorite songs. 
Wow. It's uh, her voice on it. And your wife, Carrie, do I, do I dare say her name? You can edit it out. No, yeah, the, Carrie. Uh, <laughs> she's, uh, she's something on the vocals. I just, I you know, you can make analogies of, oh, you sound a little like this. You sound a little like this. You sound like this. But I always, I hear her heart when she sings. You know, and that's that's really, really all that matters. She sings great, but you there's people that sing great that I hear nothing, you know. And there's there's a lot of musicians that are very very highly acclaimed that I don't hear I don't feel anything when they play. I, I admire what they do, but you know, give me Holland Wolf, <laughs> you know, give give me Carrie Kintner, give me you know I I put her in up in that realm, you know, with Johnny Lee and just listening to her this more Patsy Cline, you know, oh. I hear Patsy Cline's voice for a second, but then I feel what she's feeling when she sings. And the same thing happens when I hear Carrie sing, you know? So anyway, wow. So I uh, like, but that, what I, what I put down on that, Bone dry, simple, you know, microphone in front of a guitar, did the vocal and, and did the same thing, did the vocal in the same spot that I did the guitar, you know, with the same mic. So, you know, try to get it where they fit together. We had a party when we got your tracks back. Oh, that makes me like, feel wonderful. We were like, this is it. This is what we wanted. Man. Well, I, you know, I, I didn't want to phone one in. I just, you know, your name goes on something and you want it to be, you know, where somebody say, Hey, do you have any more? You don't want to have, you know, people go, I'm glad that's over, <laughs> you know? So I, I really, uh, and that's the thing, I guess with the, with, you know, back to Mark Neal, you know, he's, he's adamant about, you know, not having his name on things that he doesn't like. And uh, I try to get, I was pretty much just free form everything, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's, and I'm finding that it does matter. It matters to me and it matters for the content that goes out, you know, but uh, that's and the thing, you know, like say, Oh, Hey, you want to do an interview? Yeah. I'll, I'll talk to you anytime. Cause you have, I, I feel your fire from here. I do. You know, and it's a wonderful thing. Well, so awesome. while you're listening, while you're listening to the podcast, if you've not listened to Kelly's music, you need to really dive into his catalog. I'll just say that, and you can dive into mine. I'm at at the Brainerd T H E B R A I N A R D on Instagram and Twitter. If you're there, and Facebook and YouTube, and I've got a, I've got a lot of content out there under Roger Brainerd. And uh, also some under Elephants Gerald. I had a duo that still we're still producing stuff occasionally. And uh, and I did a little blues stint as a guy named Thebus Debris. And I've got some Thebus songs out there. So I've got a lot of content out there. But I just want to say since about 2015, the content has really gotten a lot more satisfying, a lot more closer to how I feel and how I think. Uh, since 20, uh, uh, 2015, I guess, did I say 2025? <laughs> no, I, I was just thinking when it was, uh, it drew me the, your content drew, drew me to you. Uh, I don't know. I just, I find, I think you're, a you know, an up there musician and a creator of atmosphere and we didn't even really talk, touch on tone. Um, I can I, explain. Yeah. Tones easy. And for like guitar tones or guitar vocal tones or both, you always seem to have the right one. Uh, and I like the last recording I did, I was, I thought of you and I thought, um, how am I going to sing this with my limited vocal capacity, uh, but still get the tone that I need to convey what it is I'm saying. And um, I don't know. I admire you for your tone and your guitar tone as well. Well, I appreciate that. I really do. I uh, the Guitar tone, for me, electric guitar tone and acoustic guitar tone, acoustic's harder than electric for sure. 
you know, but I, I, I got one of those little, uh, I bit the bullet and bought one of those little KM 184s Neumann's and it, I'll just say it doeth most things really well, you know, and if you get the right distance and the right spot on the guitar, on the acoustic and make sure you're, you know, make sure you're in the right spot in the room. It really is pretty good. And then it's really good on vocals. It's really, really good on vocals. It just creates a, it gets you the dimensional data. So you have to watch, you have to be careful that the dimensions of the room, you're going to record them. So you have to be a little persnickety about where you're going to do it. Electric guitar, Les Paul and a Marshall, boom, that's it. I don't use effects boxes. I'll put a little reverb or something on it in the box, but I, I've got a, old Les Paul and a 77 Marshall 50 watt. And uh, they've been with me an awful long time and they understand me pretty well. <laughs> you know, that that's cool. That, that, that talks, speaks to me about the, the tone being in the hands for guitar players. Uh, but anyways, it's surprising how much it is. I I'm using less and less and less gear all the time. Really. You know, I, I, I sold about eh, 10, 12 years ago, sold a, a, a truckload. I had a sound company and was trying to do a commercial studio thing. And I sold a truckload of gear and I'm down to stuff that'll fit in my car pretty much now, you know, and uh, it's very freeing to not have all that stuff to, uh, to think about. Well, I've 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 rambled enough probably. You tried to you tried to bail on me a couple minutes ago, so I'll no. let you get a I uh, the I just feel like you're just one of those people I could talk to all day, but most people probably wouldn't enjoy listening to that. So. Well you got my you got my number. I won't say it here, but you you have my number and I, honestly I uh I sleep when I'm tired and stuff and uh the phone rings. I I mean if your name you know if your name comes up, I'll answer the phone no matter what time it is. I, I'd, I'd talk to you anytime, you know, that'd be, uh, that'd be cool. I've got a few friends that, you know, that we, we, they, they get me through a lot of, you know, get me through the day sometimes, you know, Hey man, how you doing? You know, so if it, I'd, I'm just going to say not just out of politeness or courtesy, cause I'm, I'm pretty much neither of those, <laughs> the, you know, call me anytime. Really? You know, I may afford you the same luxury, you know, hey, Kelly. Oh, man, thanks. Yeah, and the same same to you. Call me anytime. I'm not doing All anything. Right. All right, man. Will you take care and hi to Carrie? All right, well, thank you, and thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Man, thank you, Kelly. You have a great day. You too, Roger. Bye. Wow, what a great interview. Thank you so much, Roger, for coming into the shadows and telling us a little bit more about Roger Brainerd. Until next time, we'll see you in the shadows. <laughs>